All right, the preseason is finally over. Uh, we've got the three games in the books that we all overreacted to, the highs, the lows, the injuries. Uh, and finally, we've got the NFL regular season. I mean, it's still like 10 days away. We've got a long break this time around. But, hey, that's the next game. The next game is an NFL regular season game. Eric, are you ready for action? Yes, I am so ready. Uh, very much looking forward to this. The preseason is over. Hopefully that's all of the preseason injuries. Uh, we'll save them for the games that count, but we can set lineups soon. Uh, you can wrap up your drafts. I got my home league draft this weekend. So uh, this is just about the best time of the year for me. Very excited. And Joe Burrow survived his first preseason game. So just it's all looking great over here. There you go. Yeah, I mean, hopefully at this point we're out of the woods as far as injuries go. Obviously, teams are still going to be practicing and things can and do happen in practice. But hopefully uh, from this point on, it's just uh, small injuries. And apparently these days, uh, you know, the average uh, quick COVID, uh, you know, breakout on a few teams like the Colts and the Titans. So hopefully we get those out. We get those out of the way now and uh, we don't have too many injuries and we'll be ready to go um, in the regular season. Now a uh, slow draft season has begun here at QB list. We've got like six or seven slow drafts that started uh, in the past few days. Um, Eric, I know you're in the guillotine league, which you came in second place last year. Um, how have you started your draft so far? That's an excellent question. Um, I have so many slow drafts right now, it's hard to keep track. I started Tyreek Hill in the first round. Um, I found in the guillotine league, you really just want safe production. Uh, all my elite uh, running backs were off the board, so I went with Tyreek. I just, I know I, he's going to be one of the top receivers all season, no matter what. So that's that's a an asset that you want in a guillotine league. Yeah, Austin Eckler fell to me at pick 16, so I was very happy to take that, especially in a PPR league. I, I could not believe my my luck. So uh, thank you uh, to Clicky Draft for ranking Eckler so low that everyone forgot about him, uh, <laughs> and I could scoop him up at pick 16. Um, we've got a really great guest uh, coming on uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, about Well, not towards the end of the show. That's going to be the meat and potatoes of this show. We're going to talk about DFS strategy and uh, how you can win uh, DFS lamps, how you can win lots of money, uh, preferably stuff that I don't normally do when I play DFS. Usually you're going to be winning my money. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk about some news and notes from the final week of NFL preseason. Um, let's talk about some of these big injuries. Uh, Travis Etienne is out for the season with a Liz Frank injury. The Jaguars have not added any running backs to the roster. Um, and it's been a week now since uh, Etienne went down. So um, what does this mean for James Robinson? Uh, how high are you ranking him now? Yeah, so I've got James Robinson up at RB18, which feels high for me. I know people are going outrageous. They're remembering James Robinson from last year, but I have an RB18. We just have to remember how crazy it was last year that he was so good. His usage was so high on such a bad team. And I think with a new coaching staff, even with Travis Etienne out of the way, it's just it's far from a lock. So I, they still do like Carlos Hyde. And I would just be shocked if James Robinson is getting 85 percent of the snaps like he did last year. It's that's the kind of stuff that only Christian McCaffrey does. And I'm not going to bet on James Robinson doing that again in this situation. But he's still a really good RB2. Um, I just I can't get him quite as high as some people are ranking him. Yeah, so in the three Jaguars preseason games, James Robinson played about 50% of the first team snaps. Uh, those are the snaps that we had Trevor Lawrence on the field for. It's pretty much uh, what you can consider first team snaps in preseason games. And Carlos Hyde played in 42% of them. So that's a far cry from Robinson being on the field about 70 to 75% of the time last year. Uh, are you concerned about this split? And are you considering drafting Carlos Hyde um, at the end of your drafts now? 
I'm not so concerned about that preseason split. I mean, it would be foolish for them to run any of their players into the ground right away. So they should be mixing them in. But uh, there was just nobody there last year with James Robinson to take snaps away. There was just nothing. And it's just a whole new situation, whole new coaching staff. And we know they like Hyde. So it, it might be closer to like, you know, uh, you know, 65, 35, uh, but whatever it is, I just expect it to be a lower snap share than last year. We don't know he's going to get all that passing game work again. There's just a lot that can change. Trevor Lawrence could take some goal line touchdowns. So um, I'm just not betting on a repeat. Uh, as far as Carlos Hyde, I've got him at RB 53. He's right in that kind of Justin Jackson, Jamal Williams, you know, um, a little better than a handcuff range. I think he'll have some value here and there. And if, if uh, you know, James Robinson ever misses a week, then obviously he's a borderline starter. So Hyde has some usage, but he's still pretty late for me. Yeah, and actually I was very surprised to see that Robinson only played in like seven, seven it was like 72%, I think, of the snaps last season for the Jaguars because uh, I'm not sure that they had any other running backs on the roster. So I wonder if the Jaguars just went empty backfield like 30% of the time. <laughs> right. Um all right, so uh, ADP, by the way, on James Robinson, uh, he's being picked around running back 16 to 18, being picked right at the end of round three, uh, picks like 33 to 36. So if you want Robinson, that's where you're going to have to get him. Um, J.K. Dobbins is out for the season with a torn ACL. This is the second torn ACL for a second-year running back. I don't I don't know what that means, but that's a, that, that exists. That's a thing. Um, and it sucks because we're all super excited for both Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. Um, so it's really a shame that we're not going to get, a, a you know, hopefully what we thought might have been a breakout year for Dobbins. Um, but it seems like the Ravens are happy with Gus Edwards, um, as well as Ty, Tyson Williams and Justice Hill, uh, as it does not sound like they're going to be adding any running backs to the team, even though there were some rumors about Todd Gurley. Um, what do you expect from uh, before I get into Edwards? Let's let me just ask because I know Tyson Williams and, and Justice Hill were two of the most added players on fantasy um, uh, teams this uh, over the past few days. Do, are either of them rosterable? Do you, do you care right now about either of them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, and this is coming from a Justice Hill truth or from years past. I think it's Tyson Williams. The coaching staff seems to kind of already have lumped him into the RB two role behind Gus Edwards. And I don't think Justin Hill, if he was in a different offense, he'd be exciting, but he's a passing game back and this offense isn't going to use a passing game back the way we want him to. So yeah, I'd take Tyson Williams. I'd put him on the bench and see what happens. We still got a little time. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, drop a really good receiver for him or anything, but if you're hurting for running backs, uh, Tyson Williams should be on under your bench. Cause I don't think Gus Edwards, just like we said with James Robinson, I don't think he's going to see 90% of the snaps. So there's going to be usage there. And this is an excellent running game to have a running back in. Well, I was going to say, this is a Ravens offense that has always used multiple running backs, um, yep. even to the point that they've they've brought in people just to have that second body because they don't want to just have – I mean, they they run so much. I think they they led the NFL in rushing attempts last year. Obviously, Lamar Jackson um, had something to do with that, but they, they still run a lot. Um, they've always been able to get multiple running backs work. So I don't know um, if we're going to know right away whether Tyson Williams is – or sorry, Tyson Williams is someone that's startable or if he's someone that is kind of a handcuff – uh, in case something happens to Gus Edwards, but at the very least, you don't want to be the one spending up fab to find out when you could just go grab him um, right now while people may or may not be paying attention to you know their lineups before the season starts. Or if you're still drafting, someone that you could be able to get late in drafts. Um, I don't think he's being drafted all that much right now. Um, yeah, yeah he's, me- he's he's not being drafted right now. 
Yeah, and let me take back a little bit. I mean, I said this is a great offense to have a running back in. Um, I was pushing back on Dobbins some because I don't know that it's a great offense to have like an elite RB1 in just because they don't pass to the running backs a lot. Uh, you know, they split the work up with Lamar. So in that sense, it's not great. But when you're getting these cheap guys like Gus Edwards or Tyson Williams, um, this is an offense you want to target. When you're talking a last round pick, yeah, you could get five, six yards of carry out of these guys and a handful of touchdowns and they're going to pay off. So it, it's kind of weird with this Ravens backfield. They, they may not produce the Christian McCaffrey's, but I think just about anyone you plug in is going to have fantasy value. Right. Well, I mean, you say cheap, but uh, over the past two days over on NFC, they've had uh, 30 fantasy football drafts have gone um, since the start of the day yesterday. And Gus Edwards is currently going off the board at running back 21, um, right behind Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs, right ahead of Javante Williams and Mike Davis at pick 51. Um, How do you feel about Gus Edwards in that range, kind of like right at the beginning of round five, uh, probably maybe your RB2 or RB3 if, if you go heavy running back early? Yeah, I'm kind of, he's one I'm struggling with a little bit. Um, I actually, some of those players you mentioned, like I have him above Jacobs and Sanders. Um, I've, I moved him above Sermon and Javante Williams too, to RB 22. I've got him right behind that, like James Robinson, the Miles Gaskin range. Um, it, with Edwards, we just, we know we're not going to get passing game work here. We know Lamar is going to be taking a good share of rushes, a good share of touchdowns, but He's got a huge workload in front of him. So in a standard league, Gus is an excellent pick. In PPR, it's a little dicier, uh, but I still like him at RB22. He's in that solid tier four of running back for me. Um, I, it feels a little bit like a trap here. I, I'll be perfectly honest. I I don't think they're going to bring someone in, but it would not shock me if all of a sudden they add someone in and he's, he's back to his role that we had kind of coming into the season. So I'm treading a little carefully here with Gus Edwards, but if I'm on the clock and I need a solid RB2 or I've gone all wide receiver heavy and I need a wide receiver one, like he's a good or a running back one, um, he, he's a good pick. So I'm just, I don't see the monster season in Gus Edwards. I guess that's what I'll say. Let's just do a couple of quick uh, Gus Edwards uh, rankings. Um, Gus Edwards or Damian Harris? I'll take Gus Edwards. I, I think they're similar players, um, but I trust that Baltimore offense to move the ball a lot more. All right. What about uh, Gus Edwards or Mike Davis? I've got Mike Davis two spots ahead of him, and I'm I'm struggling with Edwards. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, but I just – Davis is just locked into this volume so much. And I know Edwards is too, but, but Lamar's like another running back. So that's kind of the split in hairs here apart from me. Okay. And then um, going back to James Robinson real quick, I want to do this with him. James Robinson or Chris Carson currently going in about the same range. Um, I've got Carson one spot ahead of Robinson. I do have Carson as the end of a tier though. And Robinson, the start of the next tier. So Carson, I'd take pretty comfortably over Robinson. Okay. So Robinson's behind then like David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, CEH. Mm-hmm. And yep. I imagine that if he's the top of the tier, he's ahead of Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, way ahead of them. I've got him ahead of Daryl Henderson. I just, I think James Robinson is, he's shown that he can hold up to a workload a lot more than Daryl Henderson. And he, he's done it before. Henderson, we're still waiting on it. So um, yeah, I like Robinson at RB18. All right, well, way to read ahead in the notes because I was just about to ask about Daryl Henderson. Oh. Um, uh, but good to know that Robinson's way ahead of Henderson. Uh, Henderson or Edwards? Um, I'll still take Henderson. Okay. Uh, speaking of Henderson, the Rams just traded for Sony Michelle. They didn't give up much. It's like a fifth round pick. They can like maybe convert into a fourth and maybe it's like six into a fifth. Uh, not much. And the Rams don't value draft picks anyway. Um, <laughs> but they, what they do is they don't, or what they don't do is trust Daryl Henderson because this is like the third time now that they've 
you know, not let him just be the guy in the backfield, even to the point where like, Hey, let's let Malcolm Brown run the ball a bunch of times. Um, so now they've got Sony Michelle. Uh, what do you see uh, from Henderson and Michelle? And, and are you knocking Henderson down in your rankings because of this? Um, I didn't knock Henderson down much. I've always viewed him as high risk, high reward here. So his profile kind of stays the same. Um, It's definitely, like you said, not a great sign. They keep bringing in people to replace him or at least to compliment him. Uh, But I do still think if things go according to plan, Henderson's going to have a huge season. Um, So Henderson's still RB19. I put Sony Michelle at RB32. Um, I'm really intrigued by him. I'm also left remembering that he's Sony Michelle and hasn't looked that good and hasn't been (laughs) that healthy. And he's, he's, uh, he's a tough one to figure out as well, because there's big upside here. And if something happens to Henderson, it's Michelle's, it's Michelle's backfield. And, uh, there's going to be a lot of touchdowns available here in in Los Angeles. So I would take shots on Michelle, um, all day Mm -hmm. at his cheaper price, unless people are really forcing him up draft boards. I don't know if you have his ADP in front of you. Yeah, so he's being drafted right now around pick 105. Um, running back 32 off the board on right, NFC, but but there's also sorry, uh, you said 30 running back 37 okay. uh, on NFC is what I meant to say. But uh, Jamal Williams, James Conner, and Kenyon Drake are all like right behind him. So um, really, it's more like running back 40. Um, that's where he's going uh, on fantasy data. They have him actually as the like 44th running back off the board um, mm-hmm. going around pick 116. So um, fantasy data, obviously taking into account more than just the NFC drafts. Um, but that, that's over the past week. So Sonny Michelle, you can get him after pick 100. He might be a, a starting running back. Um, really, yep. really easy, cheap shot at, at someone who could have a lot of volume. Yeah. And a big knock on him is he didn't catch any passes with the Patriots, but this seems to kind of be their thing. Nobody other than James White catches passes. So I yeah, don't know. Maybe the Rams throw him the ball a little bit. I I, I think there's a lot of upside. I, there's some injury risk here for sure, though. So don't go wild with Sony Michelle here for sure. Absolutely. Uh, who are you more excited being named as the starting quarterback, Jameis Winston or Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, <laughs> uh, Jameis for sure. Uh, are we time. are we drafting Jameis? Yeah. So. I kind of ranked both him and Taysom Hill as if they were going to get the starting job and just wanted whoever I could get. So it's funny because he doesn't move up my rankings much. He's right at QB 17. So in a lot of leagues, you're not going to draft him. Super flex leagues, though, I'm all over him. Uh, really deep leagues on the bench. His issue is just going to be you don't get that rushing ability you get from the rushing quarterbacks out there. And there's still the decent chance that Taysom Hill is going to steal enough work to be annoying, whether it's in the red zone or coming in for a series or whatever. So uh, with no rushing ability and Taysom Hill, it's hard to get Jameis up too high, uh, but he's right there with Tua for me. And I'd still rather take shots on him other over like Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins and just kind of hope that we catch, you know, one of these famous James, Jameis Winston fantasy seasons here. So um, I, I still like him. It's just, it's hard to get him too high up the rankings. Yeah, he feels to me more like the kind of guy you draft in a two QB league as like your second. Like we're good. I can put him out there every week as long as he's got the job. You should feel pretty confident that he's going to score fantasy points. Um, what does he? What does he do more though for like Marquez Callaway, Adam Troutman, Michael Thomas? Maybe when Thomas comes back, like are you moving their rankings up at all now that you know Winston's throwing to them and not Taysom Hill? Yeah, I think Callaway is the biggest beneficiary here. Actually, uh, they had a good connection in the preseason. Um, it's going to be more of a downfield element than Taysom Hill would be. So, yeah, I mean, I've got Callaway like way up at like wide receiver 48. I know it's kind of crazy for someone who's 
out of nowhere like him, but I just think he could really catch fire over these first five weeks, and then I'll figure it out when Michael Thomas comes back. So, Well, I mean, it's not that crazy because he's being drafted as the 44th wide receiver off the board over the past <laughs> well, few days, uh, ADP of 99. So it sounds like you're not going to be getting a lot of Marquez Callaway. Well, um, here's the guys going right around him uh, over the past couple of days. Um, Jalen Waddle. Uh, just do this. Rank Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, Marquez Calloway, Darnell Mooney, and Michael Gallup. <laughs> it's funny because as I set my rankings, I put them one spot ahead Waddle, and then I was like, I, I can't do it. I'm, Waddle's just got too much upside. Uh, I'm still kind of uh, chasing Waddle here with some of that connection. So I have Gallup, Waddle, Calloway, and Mooney, I believe. Those are the okay. four you gave me. Uh, yep, Mooney would be are. higher if you told me Fields was starting week one. I just I don't want to sit oh. through four weeks Andy Dalton here. Fields is starting on the scout team to begin the season. So okay. he's not going to be starting week one. Um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the starter. Uh, do we care? I mean, I mean, not for Bridgewater, but for like Sutton and Fant and uh, Judy. We'll see. This is backwards from how they thought. I thought they would approach it. I thought they'd start with Locke. I think it could be good for Judy. Um, we just saw that terrible catch percentage with Locke. So let's see a few weeks and maybe it's better. I mean, Judy's going to get open. So I, I think that's Bridgewater's kind of receiver. So uh, he, he he likes to see the player open before he throws it. So I think Judy is the biggest beneficiary. Uh, I'm not sure about the rest, but I also don't know if Bridgewater's going to last more than three or four weeks. We'll see how this goes. All right. And then uh, Irv Smith uh, Jr. Unfortunately, he's going to have surgery on a meniscus injury that he uh, uh, sustained over the weekend. Um, he could be out anywhere from a month to eight months, apparently. So we'll have to see uh, in terms of what the what it's looking like post-surgery. A lot of times it, it just depends on what what the doctors see once they actually get into the knee and and uh, how clean they can uh, get it to be. So if you have an IR spot, throw them on there. Um, but otherwise I would be staying away from, uh, Irv Smith because we may not see him this season. Uh, finally, the Detroit lions cut Brashad Perriman. We don't care about that, but if this does mean I'm on Ross St. Brown is probably the number two wide receiver on the lions now. So, uh, are you, are you drafting him a- a- at all? Is he anywhere even close to like, I mean, not Marquez Callaway, but is he like in, in your, con- you know, maybe round 13, round 12 consideration? Yeah, he's in that next tier after Callaway for me. I got him wide receiver 61, kind of in that Van Jefferson, Sterling Shepard, you know, Devontae Parker kind of range. Um, like I've said before, I think his skill set fits Goff the most. And uh, we kind of, at least we haven't seen years of him being mediocre. So I'm willing to give him a shot there. Someone's got to catch passes other than Hawkinson and uh, DeAndre Swift. So yeah, I, I would draft him late, see how it looks week one or week two, and then move on if you have to. All right, so let's bring our guest on, and that's Chris Robin, uh, Detroit Beastie on Twitter. He is a DFS master. Uh, you can find his work at TeamRiserFall.com. And uh, Chris, man, welcome to the show. We're super happy to have you. Thanks for having me. I, it was a, a joy, you know, meeting you guys at the expo, right? And you gave me your cheat sheets. I passed them along. I've kept my word, and in turn, you've kept your word, and here we are together. Yeah, it was great how it worked out. Um, I remember you came up to up to me, handed me. I think you had a business card. I can't remember. No. I met so many people, but now you oh, you oh, showed me Eric. the notebook. That's what it was. That's what it was. The yeah, notebook. The notebook. I was very impressed with that. So, oh, the notebook <laughs> that you that you showed us, man. I look when when people say notebook these days, they usually refer to like a Google Docs, uh, a no. pay, like a, a document that we're all updating on our phones. No, Chris, you showed us. You have a legitimate notebook that you keep all your notes in. 
And I, I want to clear this up for a second because I would look like a psychopath if I just walked up to people <laughs> without meeting them and going, here's my notebook. And you're like, well, what, what are you talking about? I said, hi. I believe I said, oh, I like to cheat sheet. I write oh. everything down. I'm a pen and paper guy. And that's when I when I brought forth the notebook. So I wasn't like, hi, I'm Chris. Here's my notebook. <laughs> hey, well, you got like, my I, attention. It works. So good. keep doing it. <laughs> Well, Chris, absolutely. It worked. And you know what else works from what I hear is the way that you play DFS, because that's what we have you on here for. Talk DFS strategy and really help me up my DFS game. I really listeners, you can pause. You don't have to listen to the rest of this episode. There's nothing here for you. This is all just for me personally. Get my DraftKings game up. Uh, So, Chris, how uh, how do I make money? That's that's the biggest question I think everyone has when it comes to DFS. Uh, well, in reality, though, like how how do sure. you play DFS? Well, for, for I just don't pause because then if you pause and you get rid of the pod, then that, that's being rude to me. So if you want to be rude to the to the to the host, that's fine. But you know, it's DFS is is such a fantastic thing. It's like this living, breathing thing. I don't know if anybody's ever seen. Uh, it's called Backdraft with Robert De Niro and you know and the what, what was their names? I mean, it's just an amazing Kurt Russell right it was an amazing movie where De Niro is like this this uh he he investigates arson right and he goes fire is a living breathing thing I said that's that's kind of strange but I believe that DFS is the same way because it it brings people together and you can see it in motion like I, I know a lot of people that uh have thoughts and ideas and they struggle getting it out to the public. Like I have this idea and I want to explain it to you, but there's a disconnect or they can't get their notes together. But here Mm -hmm. everybody gets together and their thoughts, ideas are are like poetry in motion. You can see it, you can touch it, you can use it and you use it to your advantage or to others, somebody else's disadvantage here. So to make money in DFS, it's uh, a lot of people think it's, it's like a a scratch off lottery ticket, or it's like a lotto ticket. If I put 10 bucks in, I'm going to win a hundred grand. I can retire and I'm out of here. I've found over the years, it's a slow grind of a process. And again, anybody on earth can buy lineups. They can buy a premium content of an optimizer, but that, that only gets you from point A to point B. What about all the in-betweens here? So every, mm-hmm. I think that everybody has to have their own method and their own process here. And I, that's all I've ever tried to do since day one, guys, is, is share my own process. All these years playing without a microphone or without a camera, just waking up and, and writing my notes regardless for nobody but myself or maybe beastie if she was in the room so now it's just such a bonus that people you know value what i have to say so i I love dfs and and look what it's what it's given all of us not only me in terms of of content and talking and discussions here i i think that has to be the most beautiful way i've heard anyone talk about any like fantasy football related thing dfs or otherwise uh just talking about how how it's like a living breathing thing uh i i i'm jealous now of your relationship with dfs i I want something that beautiful in my own life eric do you he chris talks about having a process uh do you have a process or a method with your dfs play or are you more like me and you're hoping to turn five bucks into a million see that's the hardest part and i think it's probably what we're going to find out that chris does right here is he's playing a lot more cash lineups than i would um and you can kind of i think refine your process a little more when you're playing these big gpps sometimes you don't know if your process was right or wrong i mean just you know, luck of the draw, you're going to go weeks, months, years without hitting one of these things. So I always get sucked into the high, you know, high payouts, $1 million chance at, you know, cashing out like a scratch off lottery ticket. And it's hard to know if you're doing the right thing from week to week. So um, that's where I struggle. I I think probably by the end of this, Chris is going to convince me to play more cash lineups. So we'll see. 
Well, yeah, just- so real quick before we get too into the weeds about that, uh, just for everyone, if you're not familiar, there's two main ways to play DFS. Uh, cash games, which are uh, a lot – the payouts are way lower, right? When you see the ad for DraftKings or for FanDuel while you're watching the game and they're talking about, hey, we've got the $5 million uh, tournament, $1 million first place, all that stuff. This is not what we're talking about. Cash <laughs> games do not have these kind of payouts. Uh, GPPs, however, have these kind of payouts, but the odds of winning something like this are minuscule, right? One person is going to win a million dollars in DraftKings for opening weekend out of like – uh, 300,000 people, 300 million people, something like that. Uh, not 300 million, 300,000 people. But it's it's just like, no, you're not going to win that kind of money. Best case scenario is, oh, no, no, I was right. Because if you're in the 300,000s in standings, you get eight bucks. If you finish in the top 300,000, you got to turn your $5 into eight bucks. So the odds of you doing that are not very high. Uh, when it comes to the GPPs, but cash games, you have a much better chance at winning. It's just a much lower payout. So those are the two main ways of playing. And, and Chris, what are your thoughts on these two? And, and where I mean, it sounds like you're more of a cash game guy, but you know why is that? Yeah, and it hasn't always been that way. The, the first uh, I joined FanDuel like right when it started. I think it, it was like new and fresh in 2009. They got the mm-hmm. kinks out in like 2010, and that's when I joined. Late 2010, early 2011. After hearing up, you know, an ad for it on on the freeway driving home here. And again, I, I was I'll be honest, I was enamored with the big payouts, and DFS was something different after paying playing, excuse me, seasonal formats all this time. And I wanted Mm -hmm. a challenge. I've always been like a strategic kind of abstract thinker. Like how can I get over on something like a Rubik's cube? I always want to solve that kind of stuff And DFS gave me that outlet and it continues to give me that fulfillment and that outlet. But when it comes to, to cash games and GPPs, it's pretty simple. One is you're basically throwing darts at the wall and hoping one hits. Like, as you said, if you finish in the top 300,000, your profit, at like three bucks. So is all that time and effort you spent putting those lineups together in notes, is that really worth three bucks to you? But hey, my, my early on playing uh, DFS, I would hit for five grand, eight grand, three grand consistently. But we're again, boys, we're talking like almost 10 years ago. It's, right. it's ballooned up into this massive thing where a lot of these GPPs are not a, all of them are they're watered down. You know, a lot of people just say, you know what, I want to uh, try this. I want to give it a shot. And so you can basically, you know, cut out 25% of those lineups as people don't know what they're doing. They don't even edit their lines before for lock. So there's goes 25% of the players. The other, I would say even another 25 to 30% of the players are what you call sharks. They have an unlimited yep. bankroll, right? And I exp- I explain it very easy. If we go to any lake or an ocean, if you put, you know, Eric, if you put a million lures in the lake, you're probably going to catch more fish than me and my one or two lures here. So it's just a simple, simple give and take here. So 50, so we're looking at 80% is already, you have to compete with, with that right now. So GPPs are very tough. I do enter them from time to time, mainly single entry. That means everybody... Uh, is on an even playing field. Everybody just gets one entry and yep. that's how you roll. I've transitioned probably about five years ago to, I wouldn't call them cash games. They're kind of in between. I'm big into those three and, and five man contests. They're a dollar, $2, $5, whatever you want to do. Because to me, it's all about 
like odds, right? If I'm in a mm-hmm. contest, if, if I'm at, like I told you before we, we, we recorded this, Miles, I'll play 180 to 210 lineups a night, and I use the same exact uh, lineup in every single one of those those entry fees. That's what right. I was, before, you know, uh, I was telling you how I can set my watch by the payouts per week. I skunk, you know, I, I double, I triple, whatever like that. And so to me, beating three other people is a piece of cake. Actually, only two other people, or beating four other people is a piece of cake. I feel like that gives me a, a very high advantage using an optimizer to get me over the hump or, or my right. my long-winded kind of note process or you know ownership percentages. So to me, beating two, three people is a whole heck of a lot easier than trying to beat 100,000 people on a per night basis. But there's the thing. A lot of people don't want to do that kind of work and that's fine. I'm right. not putting anybody down, but I literally spend all day entering contests. Enter, enter, enter. at a time, and then easy peasy, right before, 10 minutes before lock, I make an edit, you know, save all, and I'm good to go. So to me, GPP is if you want the glitz and glamour, if you want that excitement, that buzz of gambling or an edge, right? Right. They say surgeons and doctors crave that high. And gambling, you know, people that gamble have the same thing. But to me, I figured out a system or a method that works for me. I'm not cheating the system. I'm not I'm not cheating anybody else. I'm playing on a level playing field with everybody else. But to me, this is what has worked for me over the years. This is what I very much enjoy. It still, after all these years, doesn't feel like a job to me. I wake up and I can't wait to play and, and do my notes every day. I'm going to have to check my surgeon's phone next time I have surgery and just make sure that he's not playing DFS with one hand <laughs> while, uh, you know, doing the surgery with the other. Cause, uh, Hey man, you gotta get that high somehow. And the gambling, let me tell you that. I mean, I went on my very first scratcher I ever bought and I I've been chasing that high ever since when nine bucks. It's a big win. Uh, but so it sounds like really your strategy is almost like death by a thousand cuts or uh, payout by a thousand lineups, I guess, whatever the opposite of death <laughs> yeah. by a thousand cuts is because you're out here. You basically you identify the lineup you want to play. You identify here are the guys. They, these are the best players, the best prices. Um, and this is what how I'm going to beat people. And then you just set that lineup, that exact same lineup in 100, uh, 180, 200 different entries a night. And if you need to make an edit, you can just do that across all your lineups at once. So really the most work it sounds like you're doing is just the, the, the well, the research, but then also the thumb work of entering that Correct. many contests. Yeah. And it's, it's not even a big deal. Like I said, I'll put a dummy lineup in like tonight, like when, when, when I'm done broadcasting or when I'm in bed tonight, I will just put a dummy lineup in and I will start entering contests right now for tomorrow. And it's never ending. I'm always looking ahead the next day when it comes to DFS, enter, enter, enter five, 10 minutes before lock, which I do set an alarm on my phone for just in case, you know, and, and I make one quick edit to my lineup and that's it. Save all. And, and here we are. Interesting. Let me know what your username is. So I know if I ever find you in a, in a contest, I can, I can leave and and save my cash before it ends up in your pocket. Um, so how do you, what's your approach then? So how do you build these lineups? Like, what are you looking for? Um, is it just, uh, like how they've been performing? Is it, uh, like where are they, where they're playing at? Is it what you expect the other people in this little group to do? Like how, 
what what factors go into your decision making? Well, quite simply, it's all of the above. But I, I, I know there's some specific things uh, when it comes to baseball, right? Uh, I, I know this is probably a football podcast, right? It's the QB QB list, right? But I know your sister company with the pitcher list, which is no. I'm not trying to be like a fanboy, but the pitcher list is one of my, my favorite websites of all time. That hundred every once in a while, you put out the hundred favorite uh, relief pitchers. Yep. I mean, I read that religiously. I print that thing out sometimes I'm not kidding but when it comes to baseball there's there's different stats there's so many numbers right it's different sport to sport hockey's the same way but when it comes to football DFS because we're like what like two weeks away 10 days away from week from week one you know it's when you think about it it's pretty simple you know you pick on the bad teams the bad defenses and right now right week one is right around the corner as I said so this is something else I've logged and charted over the years Uh, the first like two three weeks of the season it's almost it's insufferable to win anything because everybody and their mother has spent you know the last six months looking for an outlet looking for something to do and they have money and right. who knows and they put it they, they regurgitate it all back into FanDuel or DraftKings so if if you have the the means I would take the first two weeks off of the season play light you know the first three or four weeks of the season and the the meat of everything as I would say week five to week 14 or 15 right after the real life fantasy playoffs because once those are done you get all these bums that are back in these contests watering them down and it's it's insufferable again so you have a really it's not a short window you got like 10 weeks to play but when it comes to to, to choosing the players I want I pick against uh, bad teams obviously and I look for uh, you know on field percentage like snap percentage target shares things along those lines right because if a guy is on the f- is not on the field then what's the point of, of right. rostering him well it, but then you you have to look at price right like my bottom of the barrel is my is my biggest claim to fame people love that and it's all about those cheap value guys that you can mix and match because we all know you're going to want to start Patrick Mahomes Aaron Rodgers Christian McCaffrey if he's healthy Delvin Cook here but I think that the biggest uh the biggest benefactor to DFS is doing that grunt work that nobody else wants to do. Where can right. I where can I get over like three maybe three or four players max that nobody's thinking of? Because again, if we all if there was no salary cap to this thing, we'd all be tied at the top. It'd be yeah. you know all pro all pro to all pro down the list. So simply put, boys, I look for you know on field snap percentage, and if it's between you know two two. You know they're they're dead close, but I don't have the money for both of them. Let's say Christian McCaffrey or Delvin Cook, or let's go Delvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, and Derrick Henry. They're both the same. Fanduel, they're like ten thousand. DraftKings, eighty five hundred, whatever. But I don't have money for uh, three of them. I can only pick two. Then I start mm-hmm. to look in on, on the defenses. What what is the opposing linebacker? You know how how many snaps is he on the field? When he is, does he line up wow. against the slot corner? If not, then I can target the slot cornerback if he spies on the corner quarterback, then maybe I will, you know, you know, hold off on Kyler Murray, right? So there's a lot that goes into that, but it's all kind of grunt work and you really have to enjoy doing it because if you're like, well, this is too much for me, you're not going to give a crap. So success to me is finding your own process. I can't say that enough. Your own method. I've met hundreds of people that play DFS. And to be honest with you, I've yet to, to match with someone that shares the same process as me, the same process as you, whatever. Everyone's got their own method, yet we're all having some kind of success. Yeah. yeah. So Chris, how, when you're in a cash game, you got three people you're competing against, or sorry, two people, four people, however many, 
Um, how do you balance? Cause I know that the instinct is just to go as safe as possible. Right. Um, but you want players that have big weeks still, even in the cash game, you know, we're not just looking for 10 points out of your running back every week. So how do you balance that, um, that upside and that floor in a cash game? Because I bet a lot of um, inexperienced players get sucked in by the really safe players that just have no chance of exploding. And I bet you can exploit that even in a cash game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cash game is what they call, you know, those of us in the know, it's called chalk, right? You eat the Mm -hmm. chalk, you fade the chalk. That's always, you know, McCaffrey or Patrick Mahomes. Everybody on earth is going to roster these guys. Right. And if I'm playing in a, in a, excuse me, in a contest with me and two other people, I, I would I look to match players. I know if it's a Sunday night, Monday night slate, two-game slate, and Patrick Mahomes is playing, and then it's like Andy Dalton on Monday. I know, you know, ownership percentage of Patrick Mahomes is going to be seriously 100%. So that's, right. a, that's a free square. There's free squares, there's chalk, and to get over on the other folks, I look at the, the price the price point of these guys on their respective sites in relation relation to how much are they playing what like if it was between let's say uh delvin cook and derrick henry sunday night you know it's a two-game slate something like that and i know every i just have a feeling based on ownership percentage or what i've seen all week or or all that 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 same day on social media i know everybody's kind of leaning towards towards derrick henry but it could literally be one or two catches would put you over the hump here and we all know derrick henry doesn't catch footballs well delvin cook he's been known to catch a football every once in a while so it's just that that silly little uh edge that you can only find if you're you're digging in right and there's a lot of different websites and ownership percentages stuff so after a while it becomes kind of second nature when you're going to to shook and jive in a way yeah i mean uh, first of all i want to go back to something you said earlier about uh picking on the bad team. So I, I just want to know how much my Cowboys and Eric's Bengals made you last year, because we were probably two of the easiest defenses you could pick on. Uh, I'm sure you're targeting both those teams again this year. Cause I don't think either of us did anything to improve our defenses. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No offense. Yeah. I picked on Dallas a lot because they were just, uh, atrocious they, they were wide open i mean they, they were giving it up every which way but sunday or excuse me double on sunday here. double on, yeah <laughs> yeah rushing yards receiving yards and it, when you see a, a matchup like this and again that was last year so looking f- ahead to this upcoming season dallas could be awful on defense but we don't know it yet we haven't seen it in mm-hmm. real life in terms of meaningful you know football here so it, right. it it varies year to year obviously but it also varies week to week so those are the games you can explore from like a cheapy, you know, high upside GPP play. Everybody's looking this way. And I know, you know what? I know of a slot guy like Auden, Auden Tate. I don't know why he came to mind. And Cincinnati is going up against uh, Dallas this weekend. And Dallas is like a sieve against the slot corner. They give up right. a ton through the middle of the field. So that means anybody that's playing Dallas, you're going to want to get that third receiver nobody cares about. And you might want to spend up just a tad if need be on a tight end because the middle of the field is going to be wide open against right. the Cowboys, right? And I'm not, not meaning to pick on the Cowboys, but uh, oh, I pick on them all you the mentioned time. it worry. first, Miles. <laughs> Don't worry. Every every week last year, it was like a, a recurring segment. It was like, how did the Cowboys break my heart this week? And uh, after a while, it was just um, by existing, mostly, because that's that's all they <laughs> needed to do. Um, but then the other thing I wanted to talk about, so you mentioned your, your bottom of the barrel, and that was really interesting because, I mean, obviously, 
everyone knows when it comes to these kinds of things. And one of the coolest parts of DFS is the um, salary cap aspect of it, right? Like you mentioned, we, we can't just have a lineup full of Mahomes, McCaffrey's, um, Travis Kelsey's, Tyree Kills. We have to pick and choose our battles. Um, and it's how do you get those guys that are, you know, cost you under 5K and, and DraftKings or under, you know, maybe under four and a half on FanDuel uh, where they're, but they're still going to be productive. That was one of the things that I always struggled with the most um, when I would play. I mean, for obvious reasons, it's probably the hardest part of the game. I know you mentioned uh, being on the field, probably a really big part of it. Um, but man, I mean, there's just so many players on there. Like, do you identify the players first uh, that you might be, hey, this guy's probably underpriced? Or do you look at DraftKings or FanDuel and go, hey, these guys are at the bottom. Now let me go from this list of players and identify who are the gems out yeah. of this group. No, it's a great question. And I, and to be honest with you, I look I look at the salaries and, and build out that way. I don't go, you know what? Uh, Michael Gallup is pretty cheap. And, uh, and then, and then that's it. I stop there right. and I go, Oh yeah, but he's playing Washington and they're pretty good in, in defense. I start at the salaries. I, I scroll right. all the way down and I start there. And then I, I build out that way because again, you know, there's a lot of players that are very cheap, which who are actually useless as well. So over the years, you know, it, I found like a, a, I'm very good at kind of, identifying these cheapy players that that have right. good that have good weeks i mean you know some people are are gifted surgeons they're gifted you know violinist or pianist i'm gifted at like picking cheap dfs plays i guess we all we all have <laughs> our burdens go. or crosses to bear but so <laughs> when it comes to that yeah i look at the salary first and then i explore from that like to be honest with you i know you're the, the people that are, are are listening to this won't be able to see this but i can show you a photo here it's like a uh it's like a chart, right? You circle, yep. I circle the player and it's basically, it's like a, like a, a, a tree, like a, a diagram in a way where I'll circle the players, write the players down and I'll circle them. And then I create a tree. I've heard a lot of, of comedians work that way, right? They have one funny instance, but they want to explore it more. And then they'll draw lines and go, well, it was funny because why it'd be funny if I was here. Same thing with DFS. I'll see, you know what? Michael Gallup is, is very cheap this weekend on Dallas offense. Dak Prescott hopefully is, is, is fine and, and dandy this coming season so i have those two things going for me gallup is cheap Dak prescott is the the quarterback you know he's cheap quarterback right. and then we go from there then i draw another line and i'm always branching out like a tree seriously going yep. through going through the motions who's the cornerback that covers him how much percentage is that cornerback on the field does he ever switch right. off what is the linebacker and cut does he drop back in coverage or does he strictly cover the gaps a gap whatever right. go along from there so it's it might sound like like i'm not explaining it well or it might sound exhausting but it comes you know it comes easy to me i work from the inside out if that makes any sense yeah so and no i mean it makes it definitely makes a lot of sense and you can tell how much work you're putting into this because these are all things that you really have to dig in to find the answers to it's not just gonna be some surface level thing that you can even see from like clicking on the players like game log or whatever like you might think you're hey oh i'm taking the extra step oh this guy scored over 10 points you know five out of the last six weeks we're good but you're you're going so much further than that yeah. um, but it sounds like you're starting with the haystack of all the players that are cheap 
and then you're going through them to find the needles as opposed to Correct. finding needles and hoping that they're at the bottom of the haystack. And you, you all know football is – I would imagine that football is the number one overall uh, sports, you know, something that everybody bets on. I mean that has to be oh, far and away the biggest moneymaker in terms of over-under spreads and things along those lines. Vegas knows what they're doing. They have since day one, and I don't think they'll ever relinquish that. But Vegas has a lot of good moves in terms of looking at DFS, right? But that's that's mm-hmm. pretty elementary. The over under is seventy five, right? You're going to want to pick on players from both sides of the ball compared <laughs> yeah. to a, you know an over under that's like twenty five or seventeen here. But over unders are fantastic, and if you dig a little deeper, it gets insane, right? Like I don't know why we're, we're stuck on Dallas playing Cincinnati, but let's just say <laughs> Dallas is playing Cincinnati, and it's on it's on Sunday night in Dallas. You can readily find that that information where Cincinnati is four and zero, and they scored thirty or more points every time they play Dallas at home on a Sunday night that kind of right. stuff it might seem like it's uh, unbe- like it, it blows your mind but that stuff is true you cannot you know uh how can I put this? You cannot discount that kind of work here where the over-unders right. and, and this team does this like the law of averages everybody hits their average it's it's not never been close I think, I mean, that answers a lot of my questions on cash lineups. Um, I know you don't play GPP lineups quite as much here, um, but how do you kind of go about figuring out ownership percentages? Um, do you have like formulas for that? Do you have, um, you know, an optimizer or whatever that's telling you that? Or are you kind of eyeballing ownership percentages as well? And uh, maybe even when you're playing your cash lineups, just trying to figure out, you know, who's going to play who, um, who's a good pivot. Um, is it just feel or do you have actual numbers behind this? Well, I, when I started playing DFS, I, that's where I got all this experience was playing DFS. I mean, maybe that's why I'm good at picking out the, the needle in the haystack because that's all I ever knew for like the first four or five years of, of playing on FanDuel in DraftKings. But when it comes to ownership percentages, uh, it's been like a, it's been a gift from above. You can find ownership percentages in the snap of a finger, right? It's easy peasy now. A lot of sites, you know, even where I am, Team Rise or Fall, that they have ownership percentages readily available at the snap of a finger for any sport you want baseball hockey and football here but normally over the years I guess that's where uh, I'd like to think I have a little bit of advantage over the regular everyday casual DFS fan because it's it's not going to be fun to say this because there's not much to say from my end but I, I, I am cool with eyeballing it with with a feeling you know in my chest playing all these years I mean experience is a is a big thing but ownership yep. percentage is is massive in terms of, of playing GPPs because that's the same thing with, with cash games and chalk, right? In, in GPPs, you want to stay away from those kind of uh, plays unless you just want a piece of the pie, right? If you want a same lineup as everybody else, you can get your eight bucks and you can split and you can live yeah. a play another day. But if you want to hit anything uh, 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 anything substantial, you need to just hammer your lineup with, with low-owned guys. And the only way to do that is to crunch the numbers. And it's it's really easy to do across the board. Look at the, the, the you know, go, bring up the, uh, you know, on FanDuel or DraftKings. You look at the you know the player pool there. You can tell based on their price and uh, based on you know if you look back at last week. That's all you really need to do, right? So week one is as I've said, it's very week one, two, and three is very hard because when we get to week five, if you want to, you can comb back through all those player profiles and you can kind of put it together on your own if you have the time. If you don't have time, which I know not a lot of people do, you can go to like Team Rise or Fall. We have high ownership percentages. You can go anywhere. Every Everybody under the sun provides like a premium optimizer service nowadays. 
Not not as good as Team Rise or Fall, though. I will say, I'm looking at your guys' website, and uh, there's a lot of things that I'm unauthorized to view, but uh, it looks really good. Uh, the stuff <laughs> that I can't see, it looks it looks really good, and uh, I'm very impressed. I want to. So you mentioned picking guys that have that low ownership, and I mean, there's two kinds of players that come to mind when you talk about players that aren't going to be played a lot in DFS. They're either bad. So people don't want to play them or they're overpriced or, or the, the perception, I should say, is that they're overpriced, right? That we think, hey, why would I take this guy at, at 8,000 when this other quarterback is just as good and he's 7,000, right? So how how do you – and I'm sure you have a process for this, but how do you go about building the, the lineup with those guys, the, the contrarian players? Um, because my, my gut – the way I do it is I also listen to my gut and my gut says Odell Beckham Jr. sucks and I hate him. So I put him <laughs> in my lineup because uh, everyone else must feel the same way. Yeah. Well, no, that it's not a bad method. I'm telling you here. I'm telling you now it's, it's that's not a bad move when it comes to, to building a, a contrarian lineup. Everybody, when it comes to DFS and regular, real everyday life, everybody has these preconceived notions, right? You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I know I'm not going to like this. Or if you if you have any kids or little brothers or sisters when you were growing up and no, I, I, mom, mom or dad, I don't like tomatoes. Well, have you ever had a tomato? No. Well, how do you know you don't like it? Same thing with DFS. People have these preconceived notions where Odell Beckham sucks, he's not going to play, and so instant within moments of hearing Odell Beckham, he's already cast cast out. You've already made your right. first mistake. Even if he does suck or he doesn't play, you didn't kind of look into it. You didn't, you know, cut, turn every stone or, or flip over every leaf no, here, right? Not at all. I didn't even want to look at the Odell Beckham Jr. shaped stone. I was like, moving on. We're good yeah. here. I mean, you know what's wild to me is in, in this hopefully this makes sense if I can explain it. You know, when it comes to building lineups on Sunday right now, right? If you go back 10 years, this doesn't apply, but right here and now where we are end of August, 2021, like two weeks away from the season, you can, you can get a good gauge across the board on social, social media. There are like 17 different platforms where people are talking constantly. You can go Mm -hmm. online. You can, I mean, you can get a pretty good gauge where, where the people are headed on Sunday in terms of players they like bets that they like so you have to take that all in that's why I I write everything down I always have and I always will I'm not a Google Sheets guy I'm not a spreadsheets guy because I like to see it I can hold it I can write on my note cards with a pen and paper at any given time so when I hear large groups of people constantly talking about you know I'm going to stack the Cleveland Browns playing the Detroit Lions this week well that tells me you know what I'm going to be an ass and I'm going to stack the Lions against those players (laughs) stacking Cleveland Browns so it, it to be honest, it, it it makes sense, but in the same breath, it doesn't make sense. So you have to keep your ear to the street, and you have to kind of you know pay attention. You know when you're when you're in all these conversations, when you're scrolling Twitter, because I know you know you can look at your phone. People are on Twitter for hours at a time, right? All throughout day. the throughout the day, ten plus hours in a day. So right right there, you're kind of doing research, and you don't even know it. So now that you know, you can kind of put that in your memory bank and write stuff down, take little notes. Because I'm telling you, you're always going to want to zig when others zag i think that's called the uh the kansas city shuffle (laughs) yeah and so speaking of kind of reading twitter and uh the trends uh zero rb is huge on twitter for season-long leagues Um, obviously there's a lot of people out there passing on running backs early unless it's mccaffrey loading up on receivers 
um, because of the volatility at running back. Now, that's different in DFS because you know the running back is healthy going into the week. You can project their workload. Um, but I guess, I guess I just, how does zero RB fit in with DFS? Do you ignore it completely? Are we still running back heavy? Or are you taking pieces of that and loading up on receivers just because of that that target volume and maybe some of that big play potential? Yeah, not to be rude, but zero RB doesn't even exist in my world in terms yeah. of DFS. It's uh, you'd, be, you'd be silly to kind of try and implement seasonal you know strategies in your dfs formats and and i'll tell you why it's really easy to me week to week I build, I build different every week. You know, week one might be, you know, a heavy running back week based on the matchups. But then week mm-hmm. two, you know, it, it's going to be a, a heavy wide receiver week based on matchups. So every week it's different to me. And it, I think I, I would I think I can speak for a lot of other people. It's different week to week based on the matchup. So every, every Sunday night or Monday morning when I sit down to right bottom of the barrel or when I start to kind of, you know, formulate a picture of where I'm going to go the, 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 this coming Sunday, Sunday, it's different week to week. Sometimes I start with with stacking running backs early in the week because it makes sense. Then week two, you know, just when I thought I had it down, it doesn't make sense. And maybe I, I'm going to start with, you know, with my DST. Washington has an unbelievably juicy matchup against the Lions, let's say, that has no offense. So every week, week to week, it's so different. It's not even close. I've never had two weeks in DFS in all these years that were the same. So implementing, you know, seasonal you know strategies and, and things in DFS it just goes out the window and I'd love to not to be not to be a jerk or not to fight but I'd love to <laughs> you know sit down and talk to somebody that says that zero RB in, in, in DFS makes sense because I, I I've struggled to find the the connection uh, I mean maybe it's just that you spe- you use all the savings that you would use on running back this is actually something I've always been interested in um, in terms of like going with a stars and scrubs approach and using the, Hey, they're at running back this week. I feel good about two guys that are both a grand total of 11,000 between them. That's pretty cheap for running backs on DraftKings. And so because of that, because I, you know, I went and those right off the bat, I like these two guys at these prices. Now I can go get Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey uh, because I was able to save so much on running back. That that might be Absolutely. the only way no, that's in a which good someone could, could accomplish that without it just being, I'm just punting running. You're not punting anything in DFS. There's no way. Well, to be honest with you, I always punt tight end. Tight end is the last <laughs> position I there fill every week since day one. I do it in seasonal formats too, and there's been no real negative consequence, so I'm going to keep <laughs> doing it here. But, I'm no, Miles, I'm with you, right? So at week to week, if I find two juicy running back matchups that even if they're expensive or they're, it's a cheap combo, expensive combo, that's what, I, that's what I start with first. If it's two wide receivers, if it's a tight end, that's what I'll start with first, and then I'll build out that way. So I love love to do everybody talks about this it's kind of been uh it's kind of like a like a big time thing now everybody's got their cores right their four cores for FanDuel or DraftKings that's basically what you and I are talking about now Miles or Eric and what we're talking about is basically setting up cores and as long as I have those four guys the other positions are kind of open to interpretation so uh you feel tight end. Is that after kicker and defense or, or before kicker and defense? 
no, realistically, tight end is the last position I normally <laughs> fill on a week to week basis. And to be honest with you, I know I said, you know, every week is different. I always try. I try to. It doesn't always happen, but I try to start with my DST because if you if oh. I look back or if anybody else and you can you can hold me to this, you can do the work. Go back and look through all the like the millie makers or the big hundred thousand dollar winners. Any big time GPP win on FanDuel or DraftKings has the number one overall scoring DST for that week. So to me, I find DST to be one of, if not the most important positions in our DFS rosters. Yeah, and actually that kind of makes a lot of sense when you think about it because GPP is all about separating yourself from the pack. And a lot of times being the top guy, you have the exact same lineup as the other top 20 people. But something like defense where there's a lot of different variations of who you think is going to perform well, who I think is going to perform well, uh, it can be so vastly different across uh, uh, different players that that can be the one place maybe that or kicker or like the tight end streamer those might be the the few places where you actually see some variation uh because otherwise the you know why, Miles? Everybody talks about value. This guy's a value, and if this, mm-hmm. if Christian McCaffrey's twelve thousand dollars, there's little to no value. And that just value is the price of the purse, the price of the player based on the total fantasy point output. Right. You do you do the math, and if you divide them, you'll get you know you'll get a number like two point five or four point two. So that's when people say, well, Christian McCaffrey is expensive, but he just got me two point five x value. So that means it mm-hmm. was two times you know his price there. So value is all about everything and the highest scoring dst most of the time you're looking at 20 to 30 times the value i mean that is that's indispensable okay so enough talking about some of the big picture strategy here um i hear you have an upcoming video series uh players to love in 2021 um that's probably what the people want anyway who are some players teams whatever you've got that you just can't wait to put in your lineups this year well, on the on the strength of always playing a DST first in in DFS formats, I just I can't stop, and I'm not kidding here. I can't stop thinking about the Washington football team's, you know, DST. They they I feel like very envious as a Lions fan, or you should be envious as a football fan. What the Washington football team has put together, their defensive line, you know, their safeties. Landon Collins was out. Cameron Curl as a rookie came in, and, and he's now a stud. So I'm looking to add, you know, Washington in seasonal form formats, dynasty formats, and even DFS circles, because everybody seems to be still on Pittsburgh or or New England here. And in terms of, of like, you know, offensive minded talent. I mean, Justin Herbert to me is someone who uh, I'm very much, I'm already head over heels in love with him. And I know a lot of people that are kind of on their way and he's going Mm -hmm. to put it, I'm telling you once Herbert kind of finds his way and and puts it all together in LA, he's going to unlock something that I don't think we've seen in a long time. People love to stack or or talk about Mahomes and in Kansas city or Josh Allen in Buffalo. I'm telling you now, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb or I will look foolish by saying this but I think Justin Herbert and what he's going to do in LA is going to pale in comparison to what these other teams are doing he's going to he's going to open up something that we haven't seen in a long time that's how into uh, Herbert I am and this 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 Los Angeles Chargers team I mean I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Jameis Winston now that he's the quarterback one uh, in New Orleans Uh, his overall like quarterback 24 he's my quarterback 18 Uh, hopefully he can get it together LASIK you know you know the story it goes from there 
So in terms of DS, DSTs and quarterbacks, that's who I have. I mean, I have a, an entire notebook in front of me <laughs> filled five, five quarterbacks, five wide receivers, five running backs. So I didn't want to take the, the show hostage and keep talking for 30 minutes. Oh, that's great. I mean, I love Jameis. I'm excited that he got the job. So I'm right there with you. Uh, Mason well, Jameis and Callaway stacks, um, some, some Herbert and Keenan Allen stacks. This all sounds great. Absolutely. <laughs> well, so I, I got to ask, though, I don't know if you know this, but the Chargers first game of the season is against the Washington football team. So are we starting Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and the Washington defense? Or are you avoiding both as you just love them both so much you well, can't pit them against each other? Well, you know, that's a great question. I, I'm not – like an egomaniac to think you, you went back and read all my content, but I, I highlighted that matchup about a month ago. I made a nice graphic for it and everything fantasy stuffed games. I'm not kidding. So it's insane that you, excuse me. It's insane that you asked me that. So I would prefer to, you know, mix and match who I stack here. I will have in terms of, of DFS formats, I will have a couple lines with primarily the, the Washington defense. One of the Cardinal rules or the biggest sins I hear people talk about is, you know, you don't put the offense, of talent with the same DST in the same lineup. Right. That's like starting, you know, the same hockey line against uh, against the, the opposing goalie. So if they're scoring, right, yeah. they're getting points, but you're getting negative points at the same time. It's a wash here. There's ways around that where you can kind of pick and choose what you're doing here. So again, I wouldn't mind, you know, like a little mini stack, right? One or two players and that's it, right? Herbert, Keenan Allen. Or I like the idea of Herbert and Donald Parham Jr. Nobody's going to be on Parham Jr. They're young tight end, you know, all season. I've been looking forward to to, to playing Parham Jr. as a punt play at tight end for like a year and a half now. So to (laughs) me, it wouldn't, I wouldn't go all in on the Chargers, uh, you know, offense week one, just pick and choose, or even maybe leave Herbert out of it if you want to get, you know, a a little bit weird or a little bit, uh, you know, off the deep end here. Maybe get Austin Eckler, a one-off. That's what you say. Just one player from the same, from one team, a Mm -hmm. one-off. Austin Eckler, how much damage could he do in terms of affecting the 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 Washington defense negatively. So you would imagine Washington will get a couple sacks. They'll get a couple pressures. They'll get their points. And again, every time Eckler catches the ball, you get a point. And every time he catches the ball, you're not getting negative points for the defense. So there's a way to kind of coexist with this process. Uh, man, I dude, the way you light up when you're talking, once you start getting into the details of this stuff and like actually getting into it, I absolutely love that. Um, Chris, man, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Uh, definitely check him out on Twitter uh, at Detroit Beastie and go to uh, teamriserfall.com to get fantastic DFS content. This maybe this is the year I make money, Chris. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Stick with me. I, I'm not going to charge you a dime and, and we'll see what we can do. You can always DM me. Uh, that, I mean, that's that's what I like to do, right? I say this to people and I really mean it. Anytime anybody needs anything, I, I'm just a message away uh, and I'm there. Eric, I think I found a, a new expert that I'm going to be sticking to from here on out. <laughs> it's fine. Kick me off a podcast. We'll, we'll fit him into the sit start one, maybe. So we got room. But no, for sure. Follow him at Detroit Beastie. He's been very responsive to my DMs. He will answer yours. Um, it's, it's been great having you on. I appreciate it. And now I'm excited to play some, uh, some FanDuel, some DraftKings, whatever. I'm going to get some money out there. So I'm in. I'm looking forward to the season. Thanks for having me on. And I, I promise you, I will keep my word. I have your, your, your cheat sheet, your top 300 cheat sheet that you so kindly gave me. I, I asked for an extra one or two and you guys gave it to me. I gave them away, but I t- promised you I was going to mark it up and highlight and, and do my thing. And I'm halfway there. So when I am done, I will send you the screenshot as I promised in Canton a few weeks back. Oh, that'd Love be it. great. 
All right, awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for checking into this one. And uh, you'll see me and uh, Chris Robin from here on out uh, on the rest of the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. Have a great one.